tactics, the loyalists, right? They don't like changes. They have a need for security. Is it majority of people in Singapore are six? Majorities are nine. They don't like to think about themselves. They are very others-focused. They think for others, but they don't like to think about themselves. And if they don't like to think about themselves, the self-awareness is not there. The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast and this YouTube channel are solely the views of the individuals involved. It does not reflect the views of their organizations, employers, and employees, past, present, and future. Uncool is produced by Creators at Work and Story Machine. Like this show? Then rate it five stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast produced, written, and hosted by Sean Lee Winchong and co-hosted by Yenling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim, and edited by Ray Ng. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool. Most of us have heard of personality tests. They range all the way from zodiac signs to calculating birth dates, reactions, a mix of letters and numbers. But ultimately, everything boils down to people trying to understand ourselves and other people better to make our lives easier or to elevate it in one way or another. And that's basically the whole reason for us on creating this series, right? So we can communicate better with each other. Yes, that's right. So we've invited our guest for today, Cindy Leong, founder of the Anagram Academy, to explain to us what Anagram actually is and how we can make our communications better and from there, hopefully, our lives as well. So uh, to kick us off, Cindy, when did it become so hard or why is it so hard to talk to people? It's always been not easy to try to talk to people who are different from us, right? I mean, we know, right, we grew up in an environment where our parents, our siblings are of different personality types and sometimes we just have to bring our message across. Sometimes our feelings are not validated. Sometimes our points are not validated. I mean, that happens, right? And um, it's always a skill and an art to help the other party see your point of view. <laughs> and vice versa. Now, you, you started this Enneagram Academy then to help people in that way. But for those of us who haven't heard of Enneagram, can you explain to us what is it and what does it do? So Enneagram is a personality profiling framework that um, talks about nine different ways of seeing the world, nine different ways of doing the same thing, nine different ways of communicating, nine different ways of indicating uh, interpreting the information the world gives you, right? So I kind of liken it to nine different OS. It's just like our phone, we have Android, we have uh, Apple, and then there are eight, uh, you know, there are seven others. So there are nine different OS of how uh, we function. And basically, understanding the difference helps to bridge the gap. Many a times we kind of think that, okay, I'm right and you're wrong. You're not operating the same way as me. There's something wrong with you. But actually, there's no right or wrong. There's just nine different ways of operating. So having that uh, in mind, actually, is the first step to self-awareness and others' awareness. How is understanding yourself from an Enneagram or using the Enneagram profiling system going to help people? So i give you an example. Like, I'm the kind that uh, sees the world as a competition. Everything must be fast, fast, chop, chop get to the end goal, get things done. So no time wasted. But there will be others who don't see the world this way. Chill ah, relax, you know? Why the rush? Yes. Smell the roses, <laughs> right? Enjoy the beauty. So that's where the frustration comes in, right? Like I'll be thinking, hey, why you're so slow? Ah? And they'll be thinking, why you're so rushing? Ah? <laughs> you know? So in a sense, it, it's like judging each other 
can we just, you know, un- un- unbox this whole thing and try to understand how each other sees the world, right? So if let's say, um, let's just talk about, let's say sales. I have, let's say, a client that is very particular, like an Enneagram type 6, very particular with details, very particular with a worst case scenario. What if the investment fail? What if the worst case scenario happened? So for someone positive and fast like me, right, without learning the Enneagram, I would just be thinking, Aya, why are you so pessimistic? It's okay, one. All this worst case scenario will never happen, right? I will help you take care of your things and it will not happen. But for type sixes in their mind, it doesn't work that way. The worst case scenario is very real and you have not addressed my concern. So the sale will definitely fall apart, right? So after understanding the Enneagram, the, 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 really impatient one would have to learn okay okay this is important for the client the worst case scenario is very real for the client so i got to address that i cannot brush it aside and say no 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 it's unlikely gonna happen right so i have to say yeah of course of any investment you know it it will happen yes that's the reality however these are the things the steps that i'm gonna do to prevent this worst case scenario from happening which is why i'm here to value act so then that would actually address the client's concern rather than brushing it aside. Yeah, so that is uh, for sales, right? So so personal relationship, wow, a, a lot of examples, right? Uh, there are also cases, example, uh, type six, again, I, I just use type six like, as an example. There's a lot of sixes in Singapore as well. <laughs> um, so they like to ask the same question over and over again, paraphrase differently, but you find yourself repeating the same answer. And sometimes, again, that gets on people's nerves, right? Because I thought I really answered you. Why, why are you asking me the same thing again, right? And then that may lead to other conflicts because you get impatient, you get annoyed, you find a person is so naggy. But actually what they want, again, is security and they're testing for your congruence. The tip that I always give people is if you meet a type 6 and the type 6 asks you the same question, paraphrase differently, you find yourself repeating the same thing, right? Just repeat the same thing word for word. Don't try to be too creative to change the word, tweak the phrases, you know? Yeah, just be as boring as possible to repeat exactly the same word. That's what they need, you know, to test for consistency. So if you are not consistent, right? The first time you say, okay, this thing is going to give you about 2% rebate. And then the second time you say, oh, this thing is giving you 1.8% rebate. Then to the type 6, right, in their mind, they'll be like, red alert, you know, this person cannot be trusted. How come the first time you say about 2 and now you tell me 1.8? So what is it? Which is the precise answer? So that will trigger alarm bells in their head. So that's where we, you know, in relationships, we kind of share, you know, what the other party wants. When the other party is saying this, doing this, right? What exactly do they want? And then how do you exactly tackle or give them what they want? So it will prevent misunderstanding. And during the, the session after that, there's actually a one-to-one report analysis and coaching. So that already includes a one-hour coaching, which is like a diagnostic kind of thing, which is great. Then after that, then we can decide, okay, okay, I want to work on uh, being more assertive. I want to work on blah, 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 right? So then that is when the next few coaching session comes in to target these exact areas that you wish to work on. So generally, it's between four to six sessions usually to reach your um, coaching objective. Let's call that co- uh, coaching objective. That means uh, we usually ask them, okay, what do you hope to achieve after these four to six sessions? I want to be able to maybe speak up a little bit more. 
to articulate my thoughts better. Then we will ascertain like, okay, what do you mean by articulate thoughts better? What are the measurables? So when we can see all those things, you know, checking the box, you are, you manage to see improvement on all these areas, then I'll say, yeah, you have grown. What you used to feel uncomfortable doing, now you are okay doing and you're getting better at doing it. It, it sounds like you need, a, besides that, of course, you need to come with a lot of life experience as well and so on. Because they need to have like encountered all sorts of uh, scenarios, I guess, to have encountered that many types of people and so and, and oh, situations. I mean, not really. I mean, they can be fresh grads, like you know, 19, 20, 21, who are trying to find directions in life to know their no career fit, career choices, uh, what might suit them, what motivates them. Uh, yeah, yeah, it could be a case like that. It could be a case where they didn't actually have a lot of interactions with people. But yet, prevention is better than cure. So they want to come and learn this so they course, don't get into yes. that kind of situation. Yeah, And then you actually don't need to know all nine facts to get into certain situations. Sometimes it just takes one person, right? One person of one particular type to terrorize your life, right? <laughs> it's like that one thing will be your main subject matter. It's just that one person, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a, it's like a very powerful thing. And I tell you, actually, I kid you not, one week ago, right, we were just driving down the road over here. It was the first time I've ever heard of Enneagram. The first time ever. And then after that, Sean told me like, hey, we're going to interview Cindy. And she is um, part of the Enneagram Academy founder. So I, I got very interested in it um, and tried to, tried to find out um, a little bit more, right? And then what personality type and all of this. And you, you, you mentioned just now, right? There's type one all the way to what do you say nine and then you said there's a type six that's a little bit more like you know they're looking for reassurance or they're always looking for for consistency can you explain to us a little bit more about what type six is or maybe what are the nine different personality types that's included inside the anagram profiles yeah i can briefly uh go through uh of course uh, typically, uh, it takes two full days of workshop to fully comprehend the nine types. Uh. You can talk about one type wow. in one hour to two hours, you know. It is how deep it can go. Wow. Yeah. And um, in our session, we talk about the why. It's not just what they are like, but why they are like that. And that part is actually uh, much more uh, useful and insightful because a lot of profiling, they tell you what they are like. Yeah, you are dominant, you are adventurous, you are introvert, extrovert. I mean, yeah, okay, this is what you're like. But why are you being like that? That portion is usually a little uh, missing, you know? And then without the why, it's very difficult to go on with the conversation or to know how am I going to be? How am I going to react to you? How am I going to be giving you what you want, right? And how can I improve as a person, right, for myself? So that's the growth portion. So wait, that's that's the difference between Enneagram and most other personality tests, is that right? Yeah, 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 very different. I mean, that's the number one question I always get. What's the difference between Enneagram and other profiling tools? And why did I choose to use Enneagram in the end? Because it's more in-depth, I see. Yeah, it's much more in-depth and it gives you um, a way to bridge the gap and a way for personal growth. Type 1s are what we call the teacher, the reformer, or the perfectionist. Um, the names are non-universal. Basically, different schools, different authors, different uh, trainers, they use different names because name is uh, not the main thing we're looking at. We're looking at type 1 to type 9, basically. 
but we put a name there so that it's kind of easier for you to remember how they're kind of like. But no one word can fully encompass what one type is. All right. So for type one itself, they are people who are very systematic. They put things in place. They are very disciplined, right and wrong, black and white. Very routine people. And uh, they set rules for themselves. Yeah, they don't just set rules for others. They also set rules for themselves. And uh, they would impose the rules on themselves even though no one's looking. So that's the one, right? The, the need to be right and the need to do things right. So the process got to be right. So they will jump on the slightest mistake. Yeah. So that's a one for you. Um, and then you have your type two who are the helper, the lover, the giver. Basically, they are like Mother Teresa. They give and give and give and they serve and serve. And they find satisfaction in helping others. Deep down at the core is this need to be needed or the need to be liked by others. And that is why um, sometimes if you talk to a two, you are closer to them, they will tell you they do feel a bit hurt when people reject their help. And of course, sometimes you do see them uh, imposing their help on others, thinking that I know better. Yeah, so th there are certain, of course, strengths. They are very generous to be, very uh, resourceful. They, they, they are always there to help. They, they're just willing to give all their resources to help. But the downside is when it becomes too much, it becomes, um, uh, you know, stepping over boundaries. So there's always a pros and cons and two sides to the same coin. And then uh, for type three, which is the achiever, the need to go get to the end goal, the need to achieve, the need to get things done. So the good thing is, yeah, you know, things get done, very efficient. But the downside is sometimes too fast and people cannot catch up. So that's when uh, usually trees, if they don't stop and look back at the team, they may lose the team because the team just cannot catch up with them. So that's the three. And then we have the four, which are usually in the artistic scene, right? Uh, but I also see fours in other industry. But generally, they like self-expression. They are very in touch with their emotions. So you can say they are the creator, the artist, right? And um, of course, the good thing is they are, they are very authentic. They are very good at seeing uh, the best in people. They are good at seeing the beauty in things. However, of course, on the downside, when the emotions is too much, sometimes very hard to control and manage. So they need to learn to regulate their emotions better. Five, uh, on the other hand, is the logical one. The logical thinker, you can call them the scientist, the inventor, the one that's always in their head, observing people, looking at things. They usually sit at the back of the room and uh, they don't really talk much and they don't share much, very private people. Yeah, but when you talk to them, you will realize they have a lot of knowledge on something and they only talk a lot when they feel that you also know something about it and we can connect on the topical level. It is something that they know a lot about. Then you see them sharing a lot. Otherwise, you don't hear, hear them uh, talking about their personal feelings, you know, families, uh, very seldom. Okay, so that's a five for you. Yeah, we also call them like the professor, you know, like the professor. They share a lot of their knowledge with you, but they don't tell you about their personal life. Yeah, as you're sharing all of this, I can like, oh, I know someone like that. Oh, I know someone like that. Oh, I know someone like that. Yes. So first thing is to identify, right? Then after that, next identify the interesting phenomenon like oh why are they always like that why do they do this or this certain behavior is kind of annoying to me so then how can i now make sense of this behavior or to even change my way of interacting with this person six the loyalists right so just now we kind of talk about it they are detail oriented they have a need for security that's why they are called the loyalists because they don't like changes 
once something works for them, they will stick to it. They are also called the skeptic loyalists. They are also quite skeptical at first. So trust is a thing that they don't give easily. So for a first meeting, you start from zero. You need time to earn my trust. And then after all the congruence tests, they, they finally decided, okay, you are trustworthy, you are in the circle, right? Then they will start opening up to you. Yeah, so that's a, a six. Is it majority of people in Singapore are six? So uh, majorities are nine, majority, followed by five and six, the next majority. Mm. Yeah, nine is the, the okay, most. Uh, later okay. when we talk about nine, I'm sure you, you have a handful of nine. Like every three person you meet, one is a nine. So they're the most complex of the lot in that sense. Because uh, of experience. I would say complex because you don't understand them and they don't express themselves enough. Because in the first place, type nines, they don't like to think about themselves. Ah. That's the number one uh, challenge. They don't like to think about themselves. They're very others-focused. They think for others, but they don't like to think about themselves. And if they don't like to think about themselves, the self-awareness is not there. So needless to say, to articulate them about themselves to others, right, it, it is quite challenging. Yeah. Type 7 are what we call the happy-go-lucky person, the YOLO person. You only live once. So there are people who, you know, opposite of six, they only look at the positive side of things, right? So the good thing is very optimistic, but the downside is may not be realistic. So again, two sides to the same coin. But yeah, if you host a party, you definitely need a seven. Uh, you know? <laughs> they bring a lot of joy, energy, fun, laughter to the party. So that's a seven for you. Uh, very good at having them at a brainstorming phase. And if you, if you need someone to brighten up the atmosphere, they are the best people to go to. Then you have your eight. Type eight are what we call the challenger. We do have an, a very iconic example, which is uh, Lee Kuan Yew, our leader at that time, right? It's a very typical eight, right? If you hear his rally speech, he always speaks with a lot of anger. <laughs> so eights are like that, you know, like um, they're challenging status quo. They dare to take big actions because they don't care about how people see them. You know, really the iron fees. Uh, so it's, they generally, if their moral compass is right and they have good judgment, they make very good leaders, but very strong leaders. Generally, the sentiments is, is either you love him or hate him kind of thing. Lah. So some people would like to follow leaders like that because they're very strong. They challenge status quo, which is great. They are very good uh, trailblazers, especially, you know, you want to start a new factory in Philippines or you know, open a new new outlet in Thailand. You, you just send a type 8 to do it. They, they are the best candidate. They love big challenges. Because the downside is, yeah, sometimes can be too pushy, you know, too direct <laughs> with their words. Yeah, so that's an 8 for you. Uh, and of course, the 9, the majority is called a peacemaker. As the name suggests, they go along to get along. Typically, if I say, what you want to eat? Anything or what about you? Anything. <laughs> uh, so they usually don't offer very strong opinion because they don't want any possible conflict. But that doesn't mean they have no preference. They do. But it's just that they don't share their preferences um, openly because they're afraid that it's too strong. Uh, and then it, it may hurt some people again, right? Cause conflict. So in a sense, again, low to high mastery, right? Lower mastery type 9, avoid conflict at all costs. So they will just take the easiest way out, the least conflicted decision, just take it you will realize that that's not always the best decision. So the higher mastery nine learn their lesson. They learn that, hey, you know, sometimes certain conflict is necessary. Uh, disagreement is necessary. Uh, it is important to put my point across so that there can be peace in the long run. 
of everything that you just described, right, how much of it is actually uh, a nature thing, or is it all nurtured? Like, you know, I went to this school, I grew up in this country and the cultures like that, therefore, my type is like this. Of course, we do believe that Enneagram, you're born with it. It's, it's, it's a nature, not nurture. The nature part is your type. Your mastery level is the nurture. That means we can be same Enneagram type, but how come we look so different? Because the lower mastery version looks very different from a higher mastery version. Your core type, your OS, uh, you're born with that, that OS. And you're being put in an environment, right? And the environment can either shape you to be a better version of yourself, or it kind of stifled you. So in your upbringing, right, you might have realized when you're being put in a certain environment, you blossom. It's like fish in the water. You really feel, wow, this is the best environment to grow. And there are certain situations, environment you're in, you just feel, wow, very stifled. It's like, I can't agree to that and they can't agree to me. They don't seem to like me. Whatever I do doesn't seem to be uh, acceptable. So that is when sometimes there's a challenge, like um, the growth is being hindered. So the awareness of that is very liberating because I think um, even kids nowadays or, or we grow up thinking that there's a problem with us, but sometimes it's not us. Sometimes the environment is not serving us. Or we're being sway sway put in an environment that we just fail to see the eye to eye, right? Some books, they use the word mature, immature. Some books, they use the word productive, unproductive. Some books, they use the word, uh, uh, what else? Healthy, unhealthy. But basically, um, mastery level sounds better. La. <laughs> so, low mastery would be, like, for example, if I'm using type 6 as an example, right? So, just as I was saying, they have a gift. Their gift is they naturally could see things from worst case scenario. And... That in itself, sometimes depending on their mastery level, what do they do with it? Lower mastery six will be really paranoid. They will be uh, stifled. They will just, okay, not take any action. They will be in their head imagining all the worst case scenario. And you may see their anxiety on the face. And sometimes they project their anxiety on people around them, making everyone else also very anxious. So that's the lower mastery version of a six. So higher mastery... They, they notice the worst case scenario. They logically process what is the likelihood of this scenario happening. Oh, if it's less than 5%, then no point thinking about it. More than 5%, let me come up with some backup plan, contingency plan. So sixes are naturally very good with backup plan, contingency plan, yeah, to make sure nothing goes wrong. So if you have an events planner, you know, sixes are very good at it because they would have preempted everything that could go wrong, right? And of course, a higher mastery six, right, would be more self-assured. They can contain the anxiety. Yeah, and they learn to trust themselves more. And they also learn to trust people. They have faith in themselves and their judgment rather than going around looking for assurance. So you can see the behavior of a lower mastery versus the higher mastery. How do you go about coaching people? Well, <clears throat> there are many aspects, right? Uh, first thing is myself. That's the First thing we have to look at my perspective, my interpretation of others, and then uh, what's my comfort zone? What's making me uncomfortable? What about this situation is making me uncomfortable? And I always highlight to people when I do coaching, right? I'm coaching you, not your spouse. So you cannot tell me things like, yeah, because he made me like that. <laughs> she made me like that. So I cannot change your partner because I'm sitting in the room with you right now. So we can only talk about you, your perspective, and how can you <laughs> respond differently. Otherwise, it'll be an agony session, right? It's not like a coaching session. 
And of course, in coaching, we always tell people, coaches don't give you solution. Coaches just ask you questions to help you gain clarity of your situation. So in a sense, we will help you, you know, come to a point where you realize for yourself what would be the solution, but we won't tell you what to do. I wonder, Cindy, I mean, you know so many of this, right? And and remember I told you like a week ago when we were first talking about this and my friends were, were trying to guess like, oh, I think because they've, they've been reading up a lot more about it than I had before I even heard about it. And they said, oh, I think you're number one. And I think you're number one. Is this something that you will be able to tell of people when you meet them and when you're talking to them? Would you be able to guess what uh, kind of number? like through elimination we could be like okay you're not you're not an eight you're not a, you know you're not three you're not eight you know <laughs> uh so so we eliminate but it's not so quick to pinpoint like exactly what type you are on only one condition i always tell people if i could tell your type in 10 minutes uh, it means you are very very low mastery because the weaknesses are all over and it's so obvious so generally we have gone through things in life we should move up the mastery level. Uh. Does it make it actually very hard to talk to people then? Because, you know, uh, you already have all these uh, ideas about what they are and so on, and then that kind of you know, gives you a little bit of a, a bias or something. Uh, yeah, so which is also something we advise our learners, right? We should get to know a person as a person first and then take it all in as raw data, you know, don't 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 have a preconceived idea already thinking, okay, this person is a type something. And then you will have confirmation bias. So you're picking up everything that hints to you that this person might be a certain type that you're thinking about, then that is not the best. Yeah. I'm just wondering, does it because you have all this information, right, and all this data about people and and then when the way where you shape the conversation, then does it become like less natural, a bit more technical a bit more like planned out like however what, what's the, the flow of the conversation going to be like and so on no la. Like, like like what's the agenda of the conversation right like for example the conversation is just chit chat then just flow and chit chat la, right unless uh, the co- purpose of the conversation is a typing interview that means after the one hour conversation with you i will help you determine and find out and uncover what type you are then there is a structure and system because then I'll be asking you a series of questions and you have to answer those questions and we can discover your types together. Yeah, otherwise if a person didn't subscribe for a typing interview, right, then you just talk like normal, <laughs> like friends. But of course, if you realize certain behavior irritates you or eh, how come, you know, you will have that, eh, how come the person think this way? Eh, how come the person react this way? Then that is when I take a step back and, oh, okay, la, maybe that person... Uh, it's a type 6 law. Oh, it's a type. Okay, lah. You know, like just give people benefit of doubt instead of um, uh, 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 yeah, being judgmental and write people off. So I guess this is a little bit of a repeat or maybe a rephrasing of uh, Sean's question. I'm not sure. But does it affect you or even your learners' uh, relationships with others where because they know they get along better with one person or another or one type or another and once they are able to identify it, they just decide, okay, I, I like fives more. So I'm going to no. you know, find more fives and Stick surround myself with them. I guess what is the, 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 the purpose, right? Like, okay, example, if you're very, very comfortable with fives and all your friends are fives, I think at one point you would also want to move out of your comfort zone and find a variety or something different. So I always tell people, 
you need friends of all the nine types, obviously, because they help you be a better person. You know, every type has got positive traits that you can learn from, which can also help you cover up your blind spots. So that means the strengths of other types would cover up your core types' blind spots, which is great, right? So we need to learn from everybody. So no man is an island. So yes, you may find that, uh, okay, you tend to gravitate towards certain personality profiles because of certain similarities that, um, you know, just naturally click better. Yeah, but the thing is, it also comes with mastery level. It's not every of that type you click well to. Yeah, so it's also about the mastery level. Uh, if I'm at a certain level and you are another type but similar level, we can click well to, you know, because uh, you are not like the, 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 the lower mastery version which has a lot of weaknesses and blind spots anymore. And you are, uh, you've been through a lot in life. Then actually any type of that level, we could also click well with. So I always tell people, don't be so narrow-minded. Don't put yourself in a box, you know. You learn about your type to get out of the box, not to go back to the box. And the worst thing we could ever say is, oh, because I am this type, so I'm like that. Because I'm this type, so I must like that. I think that's the worst thing you can ever say to put yourself back into the box. Or maybe just give themselves an excuse to do what they like to do. <laughs> I like it this way. But yeah. this way... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the issue with most profiling tools, right? People are using that to justify bad behavior. So we tell people, no, yeah, you, that's the you word know justification. You have to get out of the box, not stay in there and justify bad behavior. <laughs> you also mentioned, right, that uh, you are born with that personality profile, and it's just a just a history of it. But can you actually change it? halfway through like maybe a very let's say a very traumatic event happens to you and then you're like okay my mindset has changed entirely about the way I do things about the way I I view life does that mean a person can or has changed their personality profile or is it just like you said a different mastery level okay first thing uh first Enneagram is not just a profile it is actually your makeup your OS so the way you think, feel, and do, and the look, and uh, the speed of doing so, it's the autopilot way of doing things. So if you go through certain episodes of trauma or things in life, it can kind of shake it a little bit, yes. those But those are trained behavior. Those are due to external factors. But the core is still going to be there. Yeah, it's still going to be there. And then uh, what are the operations that comes after that? Yeah, so as a coach, sometimes uh, this is what we help uh, our learners do, like hack the loop. You know, hack, that means your autopilot way of doing things is like that. And you do realize that by doing things like that, it's not serving you in certain situations. So how can we change your thought pattern or change your feeling pattern, right? Some personality types, for example, uh, the helper, let's say the type 2 helper, right? They tend to feel. They feel first. They feel already, then they will do. They will help. And then after helping, they will feel whether the person thanked me, whether uh, I feel good after helping. If I didn't get the thank you that I need, the two will do more, go back to doing again. So it's always a feel, do, feel, do kind of a cycle. So then the question is, where is the thinking? The thinking is missing. So as a coach, then we help them to, okay, you need to hack this loop uh, because there are times when you really need to think, do I have the resources to help? Who am I to help? Am I really needed to help? Is there other people that can help? By me doing this to help, is it really help? 
or is it spoon feeding in the long run is not really helping the person so the thinking got to come in before the acting before the behavior so that in itself if if the type 2 doesn't have the awareness the loop will just forever be feel do feel do feel do feel do and uh, they can never get out of it yeah so to answer that question right that is still a tool but it's the modified behavior of a tool would you also say there's a little bit of psychology that's involved in it oh definitely yeah. yeah definitely yeah psychology and a lot of uh, what we call self-observation after learning the enneagram you start observing yourself and you start realizing eh, why did i do that ah? oh yeah hor. you know like the person is asking me for a and my response was b how come ah, you start to uh, do that kind of self-observation and reflection a bit more so it's not so much about learning how to understand people to manipulate them, but it's to understand how to react or how, how you feel about a situation and how to react in order to better the, the communication method. Yeah, of course it can be really helpful if, you know, I know that your spouse is this type or your boss is this type. It does help to give an even better context and it's easier for us to pinpoint there. Eh? See, this particular behavior, why is he so worked out about this particular behavior? So we can go into that very deep conversation. Okay, because, example, I just use a example what we have talked about, like maybe a six and an eight, right? The eight bosses like things to be straightforward, straight to the point, tell me what's the problem, right? But the six likes to give details. And so need to give you all the background information, all the context. And that's when the type eight boss cannot take it and change you out of the house, right? Oh the type goodness, six will feel even lucky more anxious, right? <laughs> yeah, right. The, the, the type six will feel even more anxious. Like, oh no, my boss is chasing me out of the office. So the anxiety times 100 right now. So, uh, so how can we then help the six manage the anxiety and also know that this is what your boss needs? And of course, the six from his or her perspective will say that, uh, yeah, I got to give him details eh, because I'm very scared that if I miss out on any details, right, it will affect his decision making. So it comes from a place of scared. I'm afraid I will miss things out. So therefore, I need to give you the long story. So now we are assuring the six. Now, you just summarize the whole main point because this is what the type 8 needs, right? But you have to handle your own anxiety of needing to share everything because that's not what the boss needs. So in order to give the boss what he needs, you need to manage your own anxiety first. And you need to have a reframe mindset to know that not giving the details is not you being irresponsible or you not doing your job or not being detailed enough. No, you not giving the details is because you're trying to fit into what that person needs to make decisions. Just say the main point will do. Ah, So then there's a reframe mindset and the six can only do that with so, so uh, what are some very actionable tips that someone can do to reframe their mindset when they go into such a situation? Especially considering that many of our listeners are, you know, like freelancers or, or, or self-employed. So they don't have, in that sense, the luxury of having many years of experience interacting with these people to understand where the dynamic lies. Let's use type 8 as an example. Lah, because every type and every type has a different set of permutation, yeah? So we just use it as an example in, in general. Uh, it's are very direct people. They go straight to the point, cut the bush. No need to sugarcoat your things. If I'm no good, just say I'm no good. If there's a better way, just say what is the better way. So they are really like the general in the war, you know. Like what's the problem? Then what's the solution? What's the problem? What's the solution? So it's really not personal. It's just about the matter. 
and they appear to be very angry people. And when they're angry, uh, I always tell people, it's not, they're not angry with you. They're angry with the problem. So for people who don't understand, they would take it very personally, right? So then it speaks about your own type because there are certain types that are much more emotional, which we talked about already, who cares more about people's opinion of them, right? Who takes things more personally. So that's where the reframing again comes in, right? Now with the knowledge, knowing that it's are like that and this is what we want, don't take it personally, all right? So easier said than done, right? So then after that, the coaching might go into how to detach, how to not take things personally. Because if you are the very, you know, full of heart type, uh, it's easier said than done. Uh, because the impact will come in and you do feel it, your body does react to it. Yeah, that's why I say the Enneagram type is very deep. It, it goes into the way your body responds as well. Some types, like for example, a type 5 who is the thinker, they, they are logical. They can detach easily. But if you talk to a type 4 full of emotion, you ask them to detach, it's not so easy. So it comes with... um practice now of course right and then also the 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 coaching comes in to help them to slowly learning to detach i ever remember there was one coaching session i remember very clearly she's 15 years old a student from international school the mom sends her to coaching with me to improve her communication skills but throughout the coaching session of one and a half hours she started crying and talking about the mother. So then we do know that the issue is not her communication skills. She wanted to seek help regarding her relationship with the mother from the mother is being too intrusive in her life. So, you know, sometimes what somebody sends the kid to come for coaching and then you know it ends up the real problem is not this, it's something else. Yeah. What's the age range of the people who come for this anagram training or coaching? Yeah, you generally, I would say 21 and above, they would, yeah, they would come for this, you know. And uh, of course, there are certain special cases, like teenagers, they come for some awareness thing or dealing with their anxiety or help them perform better in exams. Yeah. So I'm sure you've met a lot of people in your coaching. I know... Yeah, you're clearly uh, very passionate about this topic so and uh, very uh, expert. So just from speaking to, you know, in this like through our little webcams here, are you able to tell what somebody's type is? Yeah. Okay, so you can. Okay, so what's the ending's type since she's, <laughs> she's been, since, you know, you've been, you've met her in this webcam? Yeah, so that's, that was what I said just now, right? Like not a three, not an eight, but not possible to pinpoint her what type she is as of yet, right? Because... If I can tell immediately means the mastery level very low. So you, oh, right, so you do elimination. So <laughs> the blind spot is fake. So she's seven possibilities. Yeah, yeah seven, seven possibilities. Four of it. Four maybe. Four, uh, four possibilities. Okay, because okay, it's also the way we ask question. Probably the, the, the four or the six or the nine. Okay, so what is uh, the endings tell that made you eliminate all the other five options? The way she asks questions. She f- she is thinking as she talks. She doesn't formulate the question in her head and speak. So she's not a five. That is true. She's feeling as she's speaking. <laughs> right, right. So that eliminates a few types already. Yeah, that's true. I'm always yeah. a do first and well, think. Well, Sean is more the type that you would... Yeah, like you open your mouth and talk first. You don't know where it's concluding, but you will talk. And then it makes the question really long. And sometimes, I don't know, maybe someone like Sean will be like, where is this question going? What exactly are you asking? So Sean is the type that is more like, think first, finish thinking already, then he talks. 
All right. That so, is true also. So we are we have a different so Yende and I have different degrees of being concise. Okay. I think people listening to the podcast for the past couple of years will be like, oh my, oh my god, yeah, that's that's how they talk. Yeah. So so it took you it took you like twenty minutes to figure that out. And the entire forty episodes of this show is dynamic. That's great. Yay. <laughs> I mean Recently, I started picking up golf, okay, golf. So I had two lessons of golf, right? And uh, my friend always said, I can teach you, I can teach you, I can teach you. So my friend taught me for two lessons or so, two hours. And then I hired a coach to teach me two hours. There's a difference. Ah. The, the coach is clearly more experienced and is better at teaching, you know. So, so there's a difference, oh, like the years of experience and being concise into that, you know, same two hours. Interesting. Okay. So, what advice will you give to our listeners out there who may be having a lot of difficulty now trying to, you know, uh, talk to people? Okay, first thing first, you don't have to come to a point where you have difficulty talking to people, then you come and seek help, right? Or, or to, to come and uh, get to know about your Enneagram type. I always tell people the best way for self-improvement is there is no stress, no pressure, nothing is going on, you're just curious. So, come with a curious mind. Like just, eh, how can I improve, ah? right? If I am learning something that, eh, you know, something new from what I was doing, then these are new pointers. If I learn something that is in line with what I'm already doing, then that validates that I'm at the right direction, right? So number one advice is come with curious mind, right? Number two, don't wait for things to fall apart, then come. Because by then, ah, the stakes are high, you're under pressure, Right, I like for you know, you just true. got promoted. If you don't go and up your communication skills, then you 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 you'll be demoted soon. You'll get a bad job review, right? You don't wait till then. So it's always good to you know empower yourself with all these skills and weapons when you don't need it. Then when you need it and you don't have it, yeah, it, it always takes time to sharpen. You know, sharpen the skills. So just learn first. You know, then after that, then you sharpen. Uh, then you never know when you're gonna need it. Yes. So uh, come with a curious mind, and then I think. Um, the next next most important point is just come forward and and take it as I'm here to have fun. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 think think of it as I'm here to seek help. You know that that sounds like a negative connotation. That I just come and get to meet new people, get to meet different personality types. You know, get to meet those types ah uh, that I would in real life never have talked to them. But now in the class, uh, they are more uh, approachable. So I have people, learners that come to our class and say, wow, in real life, uh, I will never talk to a type 8 because they're very scary. But in our class, uh, the type 8 seems to be more approachable. That's because we break it down for you to understand the mechanics behind how they work. So they appear friendlier to you. And then because we're all here to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting way to think about it. So how can people find out more about the, the workshop and what you do if they want to find you? Oh, um, just go to our website. It's theenneagramacademy.com. We are also on Instagram. So the, the keyword enneagram must spell correctly. Enneagram is E-N-N-E-A. Ennea means nine in Greek. And gram is diagram, a drawing. So it's a drawing oh, of nine yeah. And it's one word. Yes, one word, Enneagram Academy. Okay, okay. and uh, Cindy, because this show is, uh, we ask all our guests this question, when were you the most uncool? And if you can go back and adjust to that uncool Cindy, what would you say to her? Uncool Cindy, ah. Okay, when was I the most uncool? Ayo. It's when I was much younger, huh? I think I, I am being my type, huh? very goal-oriented, right? I really don't care about people's feelings, one. Right? So I think I was very rude to 
people when I was younger. Okay, so one episode, ah, one time. Then ex-boyfriend. He was from OCS. I mean, he, 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 he was much older than me. So when people ask, oh, what vocation did you take during uh, army days, right? Then he say his, uh, he was in OCS. La. And then I say, yeah, la, yeah, la. he always like to howly and he's from OCS. Like, don't give face, <laughs> uh. Like, I would talk like that, you know, and this being the boyfriend. So looking back, right, these are the times where I feel I'm most uncool. So what I would tell my then Cindy, right, is have more compassion on people and care more about people's feelings when I talk. Lah. Like, give people face. Ah. <laughs> That's after a few levels of mastery already from Cindy. <laughs> so you're very measured now. You you give face first when you talk. You know? think first. And you give face that I talk. Yeah. And if I decide not to give face, it's decided not to give face. It's a aware behavior rather than just letting it out. Thank you so much, Cindy, for coming on the show and sharing so much with us about Enneagram. It makes me very interested to go out and find out myself what uh, my test, the, the the personality actually is. And maybe we all should do it. Then Maybe we should all do it and, you know, make it like, it makes us understand that talking to people can be a lot simpler. And that's all for this season of Uncool, where we unpacked how to talk to people. We hope to be back soon with more episodes, but meanwhile, catch up on our old ones. Just scan this QR code to go to our official YouTube channel. For our audio-only listeners, search for Freelance Exchange on Spotify. Meanwhile, subscribe to our channel, give us a like and rate us 5 stars because every little bit helps. And drop us a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Till then, remember, it's cool to be uncool. Like this show? Then rate it 5 stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast produced, written, and hosted by Sean Lee Winchong and co-hosted by Yenling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim, and edited by Ray Ng. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool.